every time he put the plates down. And he said something in Spanish, we don't know what he's saying, but it's like, here you go! You will love my food! Enjoy eating and enjoy your lives! <laughs> you don't get that some restaurant service anywhere. He, yeah. he might have been sarcastically mocking us in Spanish and saying you have poor dress sense and your mother is a donkey. But I think he was actually being genuinely enthusiastic about the food he was serving. This is the Travel Freedom Podcast. I'm Tomo. And I'm Maxie. And it's time to collect your ticket to world travel and a location-independent lifestyle. Every Monday, we talk travel and money. Ultimate travel hacking tips and destination advice recorded on location. We also interview digital entrepreneurs who reveal the methods to creating a location-independent online income. So subscribe on iTunes now and discover travel freedom for yourself with the Travel Freedom Podcast. This is Travel Mondays, episode 051. Today we are in Barcelona. In this episode, we take a food tour with Devour Barcelona, eating some of the tastiest bites available in the city and getting a full education about olive oil. My country in the United States, there is no regulation for extra virgin. Anyone can write that on their bottle. In Spain, it's actually quite strict criteria to be able to label your bottle extra virgin. It has to pass a number of tests by professionals can't have any defects in the aroma or flavor, a really low acidity, but if it's made with good olives, there's no reason why it shouldn't be delicious and healthy. Plus, we head out into the surrounding countryside to fly through the air with the greatest of ease. Not on a trapeze, but in a hot air balloon. To be flying, but not feeling like you're moving at all, like you feel completely still. It's very strange. Well, hello everybody. Hello, it's Monday. It is. Happy Monday. Have a good Monday, everyone. Yes. Those of you commuting to work, thank you for tuning in and listening to this so you have something to look forward to when you quit your fucking job. <laughs> yeah, you should do that as soon as possible. As soon as humanly possible because it's not that much fun, is it, really? It's not that much fun. If it was that much fun, you wouldn't be listening to the show. No, but we appreciate you listening to us ramble on from Bucharest. Whilst drinking wine. Yes, we have had a couple of wines, so this episode might be a little interesting. Could be. Could be terrible. I'm not <laughs> promising know. anything. Tweet in and let us know at My Travel Freedom. <laughs> so following on from last week, we were talking about Koh Phan Yang in Thailand as being an upcoming digital hub. Well, today we're actually talking about another digital hub city. And it rates consistently in the top 10 digital nomad hubs. So it's really well established. Can you guess what it is? Um, it's Barcelona. It was already on the title of the show, so you probably realized probably that. Probably figured it out, yeah. yeah. But there are a few reasons why Barcelona is a digital nomad hub. One, relatively affordable. It's like three to 700 euros a month for accommodation. That's two people sharing. It's realistic to go on a sharing basis. You know, you're gonna yeah. share a flat with another couple or get but you could you know, get a flat studio. with someone else for 300 euros. Yeah. That happens. Or you can get your own studio for like 500, 700, something like that. 500 is a stretch. You're going to find it hard. But yeah, it's not the cheapest place in the world, is it? It's not as cheap as Romania or Thailand. No, but, but it's not like London prices. No, it's not like London prices or New York prices or anything like that. Australia prices. Australia, anywhere which I think prices. Apparently, Sydney is now more expensive to live in than New York. I'm not surprised. That's cray cray. Yeah. Still, it's a real crazy international city. I mean, that's the best thing about Barcelona, isn't it? Really, is. There's a lot going on. There are festivals all the time. There are lots of bars and restaurants and that sort of shit. And of course, 
there's crazy fast internet now. There a lot of places actually have the 200 meg fiber connections, so that's pretty good. Bada boom. Yeah, Damn. cafes. A lot of cafes have oh, internet, so yeah. it's getting more and more now. I mean, really, you'd expect to find internet in most cafes these days. A lot of pubs have Wi-Fi. Yeah, in that sort of city, it's it's all up and happening. Yeah. It's not one of those developing places. It's there. And it's also just really a fun place to be. I mean, let's face it, the Spanish people are fun. Yeah. the Catalonians. Yes, they are just a bit more fun than quite a lot of other cultures Sorry, other cultures, including my own, but Spanish people, Greek people, they're, they're just more well, fun than yep. most people, aren't they? And we did discover that they have our favorite brewery there, which is Brewdog. They yes. actually have two. We saw two. They might have more, but we definitely saw two. And there's this amazing, like, octopus painting on the wall. It's like wrapping its tentacles around the Sagrada Familia. Yeah, it's like one of those old Japanese-style octopus things like you know the ones that were like the porn the japanese porn things <laughs> sure i know all about japanese like octopus op porn it, what are you talking about it's true it's like this japanese octopus porn where the octopus would like do I'm naughty sure things to true. ladies it do naughty things to ladies i'm sure it's but, true but i don't know why you thought i knew about it <laughs> but they had turned it into me yeah wrapping around the the basilica in Barcelona. familiar yes yeah so it was really cool and i wanted to buy the shirt but i didn't so did we say the name Brewdog? Brewdog, Brewdog where you get punk at, punk IPA from, which oh, we love. That's my favorite. It's that my is favorite. an awesome beer. And I went back to England a couple of days ago uh, to visit family and for a wedding. And I said to my brother, like, you know, what sort of beer are you drinking? He's like, well, the smart people are drinking punk IPA. <laughs> and I was like, are you kidding me? I've been yes. drinking this for like five years now since it like came out. Of course, I'm drinking punk IPA. We started it's a amazing. beer revolution. Yeah, it's amazing stuff. So yeah, it's just a lot more fun, come on. And obviously the fact is that there's a lot of digital nomads in Barcelona at the moment. It is becoming one of those places. As we said at the start of the show, it's been ranked in the top 10 for quite a while. I believe Tropical MBA are actually moving there. Tropical MBA, yeah. If you guys don't listen to that, another good digital nomad podcast to listen to. So yeah, they're apparently moving there. I think they've been there before a few times. It's very cool. Eating is relatively affordable. Day menus with a three course sort of meal and wine included for mm. like 10 euros. I think I might feel a story corner coming on. Actually, I think there might be a story corner coming on oh, with this here one. Here we go. Yeah, you might remember back in episode 49, just a couple of weeks ago, that uh, my accident, my accident, my accident. It was an accident. It Your was accent an accident. accident. was an accident. My accident was, was an accident. Disaster. It was an intended accident, was it? Maybe. I don't, I don't know. So, yeah, it was supposed to be Spanish. It was a bit more Mexican. So, <laughs> now we're in Barcelona. I, you I better get it right. Am I going to make this a Catalan accent? I don't even know if I can do that. Give it a go. Hola, chicas. Welcome to History Corner. Just gone Italian. <laughs> what the hell? Oh, dear. Spanish is like the only language I've really learned. Spanish Actually, you and are French. pretty good at most accents, but you really do I, suck at Spanish. I just can't You go, do Mex you go Speedy Gonzalez straight away. I don't know why. <laughs> is this is Spanish History Corner. No, no, it's Italian again. No. I don't know how to do Just it, people. Get, get to the story. Write in and tell me, how do you do a Spanish accent? I can't do it. <laughs> okay, story corner. So, we're on the back streets of uh, Rambla de Raval, the area which is sort of just west of Las Ramblas, which is the famous strip that all the tourists go to. It's always really busy. But um, this, this little restaurant we found, it's close to Placa de Pedro, 
which you won't know, but if you look it up on a map, you might actually find it. It's a little tiny hole in the wall restaurant where you're not going to get an English menu. Actually, you're not going to get a menu at all. <laughs> no. no. Um, every day they have this like small selection of like a few choices. So you got a choice of like two starters, a choice of three mains, and a choice of two desserts, something like that. Yeah. That's how it goes. You get what they made that day. Yeah. And so with my broken Spanish, which as you can tell is very broken indeed, we tried to order a meal. So to be honest, the food is not what's going to wow you. It Usually we talk about fantastic food and, oh, it's amazing, it's so flavorful. But the reason why we like this place, because, I mean, honestly, you're probably not going to find it. You either. might. We'll try and give you We're some directions that, later. It but. was such a hole-in-the-wall sort of place. It, it's a bit tricky. But the reason why we loved it so much is because it's what Barcelona once was. It was just this step back in time. Yeah, really felt like you're going back into history it's like a little father and son restaurant with the set menu of the day for 10 euros. You get the food you get. As we said, it's like, it was hard to order. We had to get someone else in the restaurant to help translate like a little they bit. Spoke someone in the restaurant spoke English, which was great. And you get pretty much as much wine as you can drink. They just keep putting it on the table. If you drink it, they keep bringing it out. That's the Spanish way. I love that. <laughs> That's Portugal does that lunch. as well. It's yep, great. Yep. But the best thing, this is really the best thing that doesn't matter what the food was like. You instantly become part of the family as soon as you sit down. It was mental. Absolutely. You've got like the family portraits on the wall of them like throughout the years or even like like their father, like the father's father of like who started it and now it's like the father and like grandson. Yeah, like, like three generations know. at yeah. least have been running this it's place. that sort of thing. And you sit in a room and there's just a few other locals there and we just got really warm, friendly service. And, you know, it's like you just came over for lunch at, you know, like your uncle's house or something. Yeah, they just treated us like we sh we've always been there. It's like, oh, you're back again. So we've always been their customers, but it's the first time we've ever walked in and we don't even speak Spanish properly. Yeah. So it was just an amazing feeling to think, shit, this stuff still exists in central Barcelona. We're talking five or ten minutes walk from the main strip where all the fucking hen nights are going on. Yeah. And we just walk down this little street, walk into this place, and, and they're like, can, hey, welcome to the family. Well, you can totally imagine as well that before like KFC and McDonald's and all that crap came out, this was like the norm. This is yeah. where people went. These places would have been everywhere. Absolutely. And now a lot of them are shutting down and being replaced by fancy restaurants and chains and everything else. And it's a little bit sad. Obviously, some of the fancy restaurants are freaking amazing. I mean, the food in Barcelona is great. Not complaining about the food. But, you know, it's nice to still be able to find these places, Not hard as it hot. was. We had walked around for about 45 minutes choosing a restaurant so and we saw this place and went, screw it. This looks like the local sort of thing. We're just going to walk in and do it. It was good. It was, yeah, it was an amazing experience. So yeah, we don't really remember the food that well, but that vintage hospitality and the authentic atmosphere made it awesome. And what we do remember is <laughs> the shots they brought us at the end of the meal. Also just part of the deal. We weren't expecting free shots and oh. they were fluorescent yellow. It's like, it was like, I can't even, it, it's like radioactive. Yeah, it was completely radioactive yellow. We don't know what they are. If anyone is listening who is from Spain and you know He was like, like it'll, make, it would be. it'll make the food go down. It'll make the, the digestion happen. Yeah. We're like, all right. 
Yeah, tweet us at My Travel Freedom. If you know what sort of fluoro yellow shots they'd be serving in Barcelona, let us know because shit, we're never going to find serving out. Serving us up some local hooch. Yeah, and I just remember the enthusiasm of the father when he served <laughs> us his food. Like every single course, he brought out all three courses for us and every time he put the plates down and he said something in Spanish, we don't know what he's saying, but it's like, here you go, you will love my food, enjoy eating and enjoy your lives. <laughs> he was just so excited to serve his food big smile on his face just i couldn't believe it it's amazing you don't get that sort of re like restaurant service anywhere he, yeah. he might have been sarcastically mocking us in spanish and saying you have poor dress sense and your mother is a donkey but i think he was actually being genuinely enthusiastic about the food he was serving Absolutely. which is great it's great so i did have a quick look through some photos that i have archive photos we took when we were there uh, apparently this place is called Bar Bodega Austin. I checked on Google Maps, not listed, of course. So if you head to the Placa del Pedro, which is listed on Google Maps, and it's near Rambler Ravel, it's a specific area, it's a big street that's definitely listed on Google Maps, then, you know, you can ask around and you'll probably, someone will know what it is. It was across from a jazz bar. Yeah. It was jazz music playing. I also have a photo of a street sign, which is the next photo after the restaurant. So I'm assuming, and although we had drunk a lot of wine because the they kept yeah. giving us alcohol, I'm assuming that's one of the street names that's very close to it. It's called uh, Carrera de Saint Vinic. Show notes. The sink. The sink. It will be on the show notes because otherwise you won't know what I'm talking about. No. Anyway, so it might be on the corner of that street. Who knows? Good luck. Good luck with that. So, more food later, let's move on to something else. We actually learned a lot about olive oil. That's I think food. that's coming Yeah, that's food. That's coming up also later on. Oh, okay. Well, we're we on, on a tour with Devour Barcelona. We're on a tour with Devour Barcelona, and actually it was a really great tour. One of the best food tours we've done this year, for sure. Really good. The stuff about olive oil was really interesting. So, we recorded uh, Rene, who was speaking about it, our guide. Uh, really fascinating stuff. That's coming up right at the end of the show, so do stick around for that. Right now, let's do some history and some shout-outs. Yeah, so a few of the companies we've worked with here and there over the past couple of months. We've been well, busy. Well, whilst we're in Barcelona, obviously. Well, yes, we worked with a lot in Barcelona. We stayed at the Amistad Art Hotel, which was really cool because that was set up through Tbex, and we got a couple of nights stay with them. It was a cute little place. It had like murals everywhere and this really interesting downstairs lounge, like study area. It looked and, like a study. But it had this amazing, like, it yeah, had, it had chairs like a, and couches and a stuff. A desk thing in it that you could but sit really at. But really cool artwork all on the, on the walls and stuff. And the thing that I personally liked about staying in this hotel. This is the winner. The winner was there was a pillow menu. A pillow menu, you ask? Yes, a pillow menu. What is it? It's like, seriously. If it's you a menu of pillows. If you didn't Self-descriptive. Like <laughs> Come on. If you, but if you didn't like the pillow that you were given, which so often happens in hotels, you're there and you're like, oh, I'm not going to sleep tonight because this is shit crap. You can actually just call up reception and be like, can I have the Picasso, which is like the duck feather pillow? Or can I have the, I don't know, some other artist? Think and you will get a different sort of like a microfiber pillow or something like that. We didn't actually use the pillow menu because for the first time in history, we actually had pillows that were comfortable. Yeah, didn't need the menu. Didn't need them. Yeah. So yeah, Amistad Art Hotel, which is sort of just outside the center of Barcelona. You can get a bus between there and the main streets down Las Rambas. Cool place, a little bit above our regular pay grade. So sort of in the sort of 100 to 120 euros a night sort of thing. 
you know, it's fancy. I love yeah, it. it's nice to split educationally. We don't normally spend over 100 euros a night. That's uh, normally our cap. I think we should. With people. I, think I would we should. love to. If I think someone we should start would send treating me. ourselves more to, you know, some pillow menus. If someone could send me three thousand euros every month for free, then I will start spending a hundred euros a night on accommodation. That would be awesome. But yeah, really cool place. If you do want a little splurge, yeah, it's a nice hotel. I liked it. Nice area of town. Yeah, just outside, so not as many tourists walking around. Walking distance to Brewdog. Yeah, it was walking distance to Brewdog. That was one of the things we liked about it uh-huh. the most. So, one of the other companies we worked with, and this was one hell of a cool experience, they're a little pricey, Ballo Tour. You can find them on ballotour.com. It's a hot air ballooning company. You have to do it. You have to do if it. If you haven't been hot air ballooning, Costa Brava. So this was just outside Barcelona in a it's town It's over the Vic. ancient town of Vic. Yeah. So from there, they take you up in the air. And depending on the weather conditions, depends on how high they can take you. I think we got 800 meters up. Yeah. I they can say. take you up to 2,000 meters. We Legally. Might have, we might have got a bit exuberant in the clip that's coming up and said we're at 2,000 meters. <laughs> but I don't think we actually made it to 2,000. No. So closer to 1,000 meters we might have made. But the view is insane. Yes. And then all the kids come running out from school and they're all waving at you and they think it's amazing and you think that you're going to end up landing in the middle of the street. Which we almost did. It, apparently it's really tricky at that time of year uh, because they have a lot of the fields have been sowed with crops and so the farmers really get the shits if you try to land a hot envelope in the middle of their field. They do not have a lot of landing spots. No, which is interesting. We've got a clip, so we don't want to give everything away beforehand. Let's go to the clip. Well, we're a long way up in a hot air balloon right now, as you might be able to hear. We're podcasting from 2,000, was it 2,000 meters above the ground? This is probably the highest altitude we've podcasted from. I'd have to say so. I completely agree with that. Yeah, we are floating above fields and roads and... What is the name of the town here? Vic. V-I-C. Vic. V-I-C. In, uh, very close to Barcelona. But what can we see from up here? Fields. Everything. Mountains. Homes. Yeah, you can just see the snow caps yeah. of the Pyrenees in the distance. And really, we're sort of inside this enclosed valley and there is mountains all the way around. Yeah, so we're just one hour to drive to the Pyrenees from here. So you could come do a hot air balloon ride and then you could go skiing afterwards if you wanted to. Although we did say in the winter it's much more difficult. Weather for going over the Pyrenees. Yeah. But for here, maybe not as... Ah, there's that icy wind we were expecting. Mm-hmm. It's actually really, really hot doing this because of, uh, well, the massive amounts of flames above your head every now and then. Yeah, you are just hanging in the air and it is quite a strange feeling. It is a little freaky. To be flying but not feeling like you're moving at all, like you feel completely still. It's very strange. Yeah. But it's a wonderful view. You can see everything and you don't have those little plane windows to try and take photos through. You can just hang out over the side and try not to fall to your death. Oh, don't say things like that. There is definitely a strong feeling of freedom from up here, though. We're now floating over the city of Vic. Yeah, and I'm going to have to take some photos. 700 meters we're at. It seems much more. I can see fine. So, yes, hot air ballooning. First time. First time we've done it. Yeah. And uh, it was sort of nerve-wracking I think it made awesome. It was more nervous for me. I was more nervous than jumping out of an airplane. I don't yeah. know how that works, but I was. 
Yeah, so crazy. If you can do it, if you haven't done it before, I really enjoyed it. I think it was great. So yeah, that was with Balotor. You can find them on the internet at balotor.com, which is B-A-L-O-Tor.com. Really simple. On the show notes. Okay, let's talk about some culture and history. Oh, we took a fantastic walking tour with a friend of ours, Veronica, who we actually met on our press trip. She's a blogger. She is a blogger at, oh, I'm going to offend her so much. She is. She does blog in Spanish. Vajandapur.com. V-A-J-A-N-D-O-P-O-R. It was V-I-A-J-A-N-D-O-P-O-R.com. It'll be in the show notes. Sorry, Veronica. Yeah, we've screwed everything up now. But she does do a fantastic tour, and that's what we're talking about. She knows a lot of history. It's very interesting. We learned a lot of stuff. In fact, let's talk about a few of the fascinating things we found out about Barcelona, because we've been there a few times, and none of this stuff coming up right now did we know at all. Okay. Yeah, the most fascinating thing I found out about Barcelona is it is not real. It is true. This is not a philosophical statement. Really it's it's just not real. It's not. Uh, much of the central area of Barcelona is really a hodgepodge of buildings and masonry that was moved from outside to make this really cool old town. old town. So they just moved all this stuff in like the 18th or 19th century. And when someone points it out to you, you're like, holy shit, I see it. Like that's, that brick doesn't match the brick that's beside it. Yeah, so there's just all these buildings that are crowned next to each other. And in actual fact, they would never have been that close to each other before. Or if they were, it would have been different buildings. But they brought in all the coolest buildings, put them all in one place and, and turned it into out. this sort of fake town. But it's awesome. I mean, it's an amazing place to walk around. It's great. Yeah, but it's all completely fake. It was all made. That was the craziest thing, but we've got three more random things we learned. Three random things. Number one, Barcelona was originally a retirement village for old Romanian soldiers. Roman soldiers. <laughs> We're in Romania. I've been in Romania for too long. This is why when we have wine, we shouldn't podcast. Roman soldiers, Roman soldiers. they're the ones from Italy rather than the ones from Romania. <laughs> <laughs> Whoops. Roman soldiers. But the, you can actually, there you can see the old Roman ruins underneath the town of Barcelona. Yeah, in places they're actually sticking out a little bit. So yeah, that's part of the reason the Romans were there. They were just retiring, apparently. Yep, the old dudes. Sure, they had other reasons. Hanging Number out. two, there is a medieval street that is still marked as being one way only for horses. There is a sign and everything. Do not take your horse the wrong way down that street. You will get fined. You will get in a lot of trouble. Number three, the Cathedral of Barcelona is occupied by 13 geese. Mm -hmm. This is because Saint Aurelia was martyred here when she was 13 years old, 13, and she used to herd geese. As you do. As you do. That's a regular activity for people. On a side note though, Geese are actually better at guarding the property than what guard dogs are. One, because geese are mean bastards. They're evil, really. They are so mean. That's why I like to eat them at Christmas. Because they're evil. They deserve it. And delicious. But also because they don't bark, so people in the neighborhood get to sleep. Yep, that's right, because the amount of times guard dogs going off, we've stayed in a lot of places where there's guard dogs. If you live in rural areas at all, which we've done a few dogs. times. Ah, dogs. Yeah, the geese, they just shut up. It's great. But they will attack. They'll hurt you if they... you try and break in. Yeah. So there you go. 
That's it. So lastly for today's show, we have got more food as we promised earlier. Uh, you knew that would happen, didn't you? It's not not only did we us. say it was going to happen, but it was obviously going to happen. Barcelona, as if we're not going to talk about more food. Of course we're going to talk about food. All we did was eat. So we took an awesome, awesome food tour with Devour Barcelona. They actually have food tours in a few different cities in Spain, and the one in Barcelona is a little bit newer. And they took us out of the city center. This is why it was exciting. We weren't just walking around the tourist area or finding small restaurants with fathers and sons serving us lamb and potatoes for lunch. They actually took us to all these little restaurants and little cafes and bars in the area called Gracia. And this area was actually separate originally from Barcelona. It used to be a village. It, it wasn't was, part of Barcelona Yeah, it was like engulfed by Barcelona. And they were like, you will become part of Barcelona because we have to expand. And they were like, fuck you. And they're like, tough shit. There was some shenanigans at the time. People weren't very happy it was, about it. But it's some really interesting stories that they do tell you on the tour. Yeah, we're not going to ruin the tour for everybody because we don't want to give away all their stuff. But yeah, you'll learn the history whilst you're there as well. But now Gracia offers really eclectic mix of old and new. So it's something for foodies from all walks of life. Absolutely. Absolutely. But we don't want to ruin all the food surprises, but there were a couple of things that we really do have to mention that we tried. Yes. Like... Kava for breakfast. Yes. Kava is a locally made alcohol that is exceptionally popular with Catalonian people. Uh, it's quite similar to champagne. It is basically a sparkling white wine. It, it is, is, is champagne. The only reason it's not champagne is because it wasn't made in champagne. Yeah, it's basically Champagne. the same thing. And How it's do you cheaper. say it in French? Champagne. Champagne. I don't know. Champagne. This isn't a France episode. Champagne. Don't expect me to pull out a French accent at the last minute without any warm-ups, <laughs> without any preparation. Good God, woman. But the only difference is, they, they are the same. The only difference in making the drinks is it comes down to the grapes. And actually, in Catalonia, they have weather that is more appropriate appropriate that is more appropriate for growing these sorts of grapes so the reason it's really cheaper apart from the name not being champagne is because the growing process is cheaper so they, they can, can grow actually, more they grow they more have grapes. a better climate so they grow more so it's cheaper so that's the reason i mean i'm sure the french will absolutely disagree and they'll they will go, not oh, be happy <laughs> no how can you compare my champagne to your Exactly. Or perhaps some sort of champagne connoisseur out there could like explain the subtle differences. This one tastes like wine, this one tastes like wine. That's what we say. That's what I do. I don't know. It seriously it does. It tastes all the same to me. So what I do know is you can score carver in some bars for as little as 89 cents a glass. That's pretty good, isn't it? Win-win! Uh yes. So, of course, after having our alcohol for breakfast, we had to move on to actually eat some food. Uh, one of our favorite bites on the tour was the bomb. Oh, that was so the good. The bomb was good. I think most people will say that this was their favorite dish. Yeah, every, the yeah tour. most people on the tour yeah. agree like the bomb's actually the best thing. Because it it's called the bomb, the man. Bomb. It's the bomb. The bomb is the bomb. Of course, bomb. it's good. So, what is the bomb? It is a potato bowl that's stuffed with minced beef and it's served with this spicy brava sauce. So, uh, like your patas brava. Yeah, it's the local Pata sort of red spicy bomb. sauce made yeah. with paprika and maybe some sort of chili. Yeah. So so the spicy sauce actually has a really nice kick to mm -hmm. it. Like when they say it's spicy, it actually is spicy. I think it's called the bomb because it's round. So that's a start. And then also when you bite into it and get to the middle, it explodes with heat. 
Yeah. So yeah, it, you get that round bomb shape and the spiciness. I there think is actually the a whole historical from. story that goes with it, but you're going to have to go on the tour to find that yeah, out. Yeah, that's true. Mm -hmm. But it's really specific to that part of Barcelona, like Barcelona, Catalonia, Barcelona in Catalonia. It is that part, Gracia, this little town that's just outside of the main Barcelona district. You won't find it in other places from what we're aware. No, it's really important to their history. Yeah. So as we mentioned earlier, we also learned about olive oil. Now you'd think, okay, it's olive oil. They press it from olives. Great. That's it, right? No. That is not it. Actually, when Rene started talking about this, our guide, I was like, wow, I didn't know any of this yeah. about olive oil. The differences in, in like first pressing and second pressing and whether any of that means shit is a very interesting thing that you yes. can Does cold press actually mean anything at all or is it marketing bullshit? Any of those bullshit? buzzwords mean anything. Well, we find out and more in the next clip. Yes, that's true. With olive oil. Uh, extra virgin olive oil is basically, it's really like this simple. It's the juice of good olives, right? Um, in Spain, it's actually quite strict criteria to be able to label your bottle extra virgin. It has to pass a number of tests by professionals. Can't have any defects in the aroma or flavor, a really low acidity, but if it's made with good olives, there's no reason why it shouldn't be delicious and healthy, right? I say that's in Spain. I don't know all the countries in the world, but I do know that in my country, in the United States, there's no regulation for extra virgin. Anyone can write that on their bottle. I'm sure it's going to change soon. I've been seeing a lot of really bad press lately about how in the supermarkets, a lot of the olive oils are like super fraudulent, like they're mixing things in them. They're really bad practices. But, but at the moment, like a bottle of Crisco could put extra virgin on there. So you really have to be careful when you're shopping, know your brands, buy smartly. But yeah, here in Spain, if it says extra virgin on it, in, in theory, it passes the test. So, um, so yeah, so if these three are made with the good olives, this one is made with the bad ones. The rotten, fly-infested olives, ones that have been sitting on the ground for a while, they don't waste anything. They do is they juice those and they refine it. They break it down again and again and again until it turns into this kind of clear, odorless and tasteless fat. And that in Spanish is actually called lampante oil. Lamp oil. <laughs> right here, yeah. And what they do is they mix between 5 and 15% of virgin olive oil. To give you an idea of what virgin olive oil is, it's basically an olive oil that would have liked to have been extra virgin but couldn't pass the test for whatever reason, something went wrong in the production, but not up to the standards, right? But that is what gives it a little bit of color, a little bit of aroma and, and taste, but this is basically just fat. Has none of the great health properties we think of when we think of extra virgin olive oil. Well, when we think of olive oil, it has to be extra virgin, right? If you want to try it at the end of the tasting, you're welcome to. They recommend when you do try this one to save it to the end, because if not, it will destroy your palate. Uh, it's not that bad. It's just really blend, really. Tastes like fat. So here, you can see in the fine print, it's made with refined olive oils. But I brought this bottle to show you guys one marketing term we have here in Spain. Gust intense. That means intense flavor. Uh, so the supermarket shelves are lined with this. And below it will be gust suave, which is smooth flavor. So someone who doesn't know that much about olive oil, and even though we consume so much of it in Spain, there's not that much education. You could ask anyone on the street what is extra virgin olive oil, they might not be able to tell you. Uh, I've seen people do this, I've seen Spanish friends do this. They'll grab this bottle for bread and salads because it's um, intense flavor, look at the smooth flavor for cooking. And it's like, no, especially if you're eating it raw, which is how we often eat extra virgin olive oil, you definitely want it to be extra virgin, right? And it's cheaper. This is cheap. Yeah, that's another big motive. So it is much cheaper, so. <laughs> well, much cheaper. To give you an idea, this brand does make an extra virgin 
a bottle of extra virgin, and so in theory, it's up to the standards. And that, so this goes for three euros a bottle, and the extra virgin version of it goes for four. So it's still really cheap. Sandra has told me I've asked her about this because once I was like, "How?" Sandra is like really expert on olive oil. I'm like, "How is it possible that Borges is making a liter of extra virgin olive oil for four euros? That's really cheap." Because the cheapest bottle in this shop goes for about six fifty, I think, and that's like a really good price. I'm like, "How is that possible?" And she says. I think that the the panels that test the olive oils, they are a little bit more lenient with the super the big brands, which for obvious reasons, to make it more accessible to everyone. So maybe they're not as strict at the moment of deciding whether or not it has some defects in it or something. They're a little bit more lenient. But and I've tried it, it's good. The board has brand, it's fine. But obviously not as great as a lot of the bottles in this shop, for example, that are more like smaller producers. It's like anything that's produced mass is never gonna be as nice as Right? The boutique ones. So, so anyway, um, we're going to, I don't know, really quick, I want to ask you guys, do you know what country produces the most olive oil in the world? Or what country? <laughs> the first country that comes to mind? Italy. Italy. Brazil. Brazil? It's going to be somewhere Brazil. weird, like Morocco or something. Morocco. Morocco actually does produce a lot of olive oil. Israel. Good. Israel, that's also a good guess. Um, it actually is Spain, and a lot of people don't know this, I'll tell you one in a second. Spain produces over 45% of the world's olive oils. In Jaén, which is a province in the south of Spain, they produce more olive oil than all of Greece, which is the third biggest producer. Spain, then Italy, then Greece. Um, a lot of people don't know this, like I said, though, because uh, for many years, Spanish olive oil producers have been very risk-averse. They prefer to sell their product off to a third party, who then bottle and brand it, oftentimes putting a big, like, made in Italy stamp on it, for example. That's amazingly enough legal. I guess by law they have to put, like, product to Spain, they'll put it really small in the bottle, the back of the bottle in here, like a whopping stamp making people believe they're, they're eating olive oil from, from Italy. Um, another thing that they'll do is they'll sell the olives directly to someone else. So maybe this olive oil was made in France, for example, but the olives actually came from Spain. Um, it's pretty bad practice too because the time, the time between harvesting and juicing is so short, like the same day. So if you're talking about harvesting, exporting, and all that, you're automatically diminishing the quality of the subsequent oil. So. Anyway, luckily that's starting to change. All these practices are starting to change. Lots of Spanish olive oil producers are going for quality over quantity, making really good olive oils. The shop is a, a testament to that. So, so anyway, we're gonna try. If we were professionals, we'd be using this blue tasting cup. This is a professional olive oil tasting cup. It's blue, so you wouldn't be biased by the color. The color won't tell you anything about the quality of the oil, but it might tell you something about what it's gonna taste like, right? So if you're feeling pro, oh, really quick, I'll show you how they do that because I think this is funny. You, you would hold it in your hand. You usually have a little silver like disc on top of it, uh, keeping all the aromas in. You warm it up for about a minute doing that. You remove the disc, you stick your nose way in there, then you drink it, and you make this weird sound with your mouth, and then you start to spout off all these adjectives, uh, like a wine tasting. This has notes of, whatever, banana peel. <laughs> so you guys can start thinking of your adjectives. Eh? <laughs> so if you're feeling pro, you can use a spoon. You can pour the olive oil directly in a spoon. Don't worry about spilling, this is like a resistant. Don't spill on yourself, maybe. Um, sure. <laughs> but yeah, you can just pour it, I'll pass the bottle around. You can pour it directly in the spoon. If not, we also have bread or you can try with a spoon and bread, it's totally up to you. So if you guys wanna grab one if you want one, if not, just pass it down. And olive oil from here in Catalonia, it's an Arbequina. This is your go-to bottle of olive oil from this region of Spain. Arbequina is the number one produced olive in, in, in Catalonia. And it's also a really typical table olive. We were talking about this. If you go to a bar here, order a beer, they give you a, a little plate of olives if they're really small um, and sometimes a little bit darker. 
they are going to be Arabicinas, yeah. And Arabicinas are known to make pretty smooth olive oils. Um, so yeah, this one is also unfiltered. You'll see also it's, we're about getting to the end of the vial. You'll see it's probably going to come out a lot of pulp or sediment. That's totally normal. What do you guys think? Really smooth. Really smooth. Really smooth, yeah. Yeah, really smooth. Hmm, doesn't have this kind of like bitter taste that we often think of when we think of mm -hmm. olive oil. Also, unfiltered mm -hmm. olive oil. Some people do prefer unfiltered olive oils because they say it's more natural, maybe it has a little bit more flavor, more fruity. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you're, you're drinking like the pulp, right? But the problem with unfiltered olive oil is they have such yeah. short shelf life. So the minute you open a bottle of olive oil, extra virgin olive oil, if you're storing it correctly, which is like in a cool, dark place, it will last about a year. Unfiltered will last about two months. Drastically decreases. So. Okay, um, the next one, we're going to try another. This one is another Catalan olive oil. It's called Serra Ferdan. It's from El Emporda, which is also like a wine-making region in Catalonia, north of Barcelona. This is a coupage. That means it's coupage are two or more varieties of olives mixed together. So this is, again, Arabiquina and Arbule, another Catalan olive used for making olive oil. This is getting a little bit more intense. This might leave a spicy kick in the back of your throat. But good, no? So, alright. Mm. So with this last one, we're going to... But and does that also mean that it's, it's, it's good olive oil? That has, no, that has nothing to do with the quality. It's like wine. There are some fruitier wines, there are some wines with more body. It's a question of taste. Um, some people prefer more intense olive oils than others. Um, but because it's more intense doesn't mean it's any nicer. Hmm? So, alright, this one's called Dominus. It's from the South of Spain, actually from Hain, whatever that region I was telling you about. I can actually show you on the map. It's down here, very south of Spain. This is where they produce most of the olive oil, down here. And uh, it's a Piquat. Piquat, that's the name of the olive variety. Piquats are the most, this is the most typical olive oil from down there. It's, Piquats are known to be really intense, like I said. This will definitely, if the second one didn't, this will definitely, you'll notice it, something in the back of your throat. You can also, the colors, these three don't vary much in color, but a lot of times the more intense olive oil will be a little bit more green. Mm. And you can pair certain mm. olive oils with certain, with mm. different things. Um, there is a kind of rule of thumb that you typically pair smoother olive oils with smoother tastes uh, for obvious reasons, right? Um, also, I think it's true, most people don't have more than one bottle of extra virgin olive oil in their kitchen. You use one for everything. Um, but yeah, if you do want to pair, like for example, what you're using now, piqua, that goes great on top of like cooked vegetables. It immediately returns like the freshness of the vegetables to them, right? Um, also for cooking, piquas are great because they're very, um, especially frying. That's a myth. People think you can't fry with extra virgin olive oil. You can. Um, but you need to use certain varieties of olives that have a higher smoke point. So Piqua has a really stable, high smoke point. So you could fry if you wanted to with that one. Yeah, most people in Spain don't usually fry with extra virgin olive oil though. They'll use like sunflower seed oil that doesn't leave any flavor. Because usually when you're frying, you're not doing it for the flavor, you're doing it for the, to leave like a crispy texture, right? So, and then like a smoother olive oil would be great on top of like cooked pasta, maybe. It's kind of almost like buttery. Mm -hmm. It's, yeah, like I said, it's, you can get really gourmet, you can pair, but like Ferran Adria, does everyone know who that is? He's a really famous chef from Barcelona. He has, like he just a few months ago chose a new olive oil to have in his restaurant. He uses one olive oil for everything. It's a really great olive oil, they actually have it in the shop. Um, but, but like even he doesn't choose different olive oils for each of his different dishes. So. 
it's not very practical because olive oil does go eventually go bad. So there you go. I bet you never thought you'd learn that much about olive oil. I like olive oil. Olive oil's awesome, and mm. when we had some of the really top-notch, high-quality olive oil... It just zings your world. We've been it saying this your world. since we were in Italy last September and had amazing, amazing olive oil. We've just said, that's it. We're not buying the cheap stuff from the supermarket Life is ever too short. again. Life is too short yeah. to buy cheap olive oil. Life is it's way true. too short. So we really highly recommend taking the Devour Barcelona tour if you are visiting Barcelona. Uh, as we said earlier, Devour Spain are not just in Barcelona and they offer tours all over Spain. So wherever you happen to be visiting, see if they have a tour there and go and find out what some of the local food is. Yeah, plus they are actually keen to work with bloggers. As I recall, we didn't have to do much work to get this at all. They approached us, They approached they? us, which was yeah. so nice. They sent us an email. They had a few other bloggers on the tour on different days from when we were there as well. So they genuinely are happy to get out there and have people promote them so go ahead and contact them why not and check out on the show notes travelfreedompodcast.com slash zero five one is for this episode there'll be some information about devour and then you can find their email address from their website send them an email and say hey i'm a blogger i want to come and eat some food with you i like food yes Okay, it is almost the end of the show. What time does that mean it is? It's travel homework time. It's not wine drinking time? Well, it's that too. Well, we've been doing that the whole show. Ah, uh, that's a good point. Yeah. So yeah, if you are a travel blogger heading to Barcelona, as we just literally said, get in touch with Devour. That's one of your takeaways from this episode for sure. Yes. And uh, if you're looking to make Barcelona your base for a month or two, then Frickin' do it. You know, if you're thinking, like, where should I go? Yeah, Barcelona. Totally. Oh, yeah, especially if you'd never been there before. I'd, like, we'd already been there a whole bunch of times, so we'd have liked to stay there a bit longer, but we didn't. You can't go to Barcelona and not fall in love. But we do really recommend staying in the Gracia or one of the other regions outside of the tourist center. Like, if you're anywhere near the Hard Rock Cafe, get away. <laughs> you're too Run. close. You're you too, are close. too close. Yeah, because it is really, really, really full of tourists and pickpockets, that central area. Just stay away from it. You go to the old towns around the main center, not in the main center, much better. And you can get carver for brunch yeah. for 89 cents. Go have some carver with the old men. Yeah. At, you know, 10 o'clock in the morning. Why the hell That's not? Right. So also remember, we are still looking for your responses on our proposed membership area where you will get strategy plans and loads of other advice about building a location independent travel freedom lifestyle. So even if you're not sure if you want a location independent lifestyle, maybe you're listening to this episode just purely for the travel information and you're not too bothered about the business, maybe go on and do this thing anyway because it's going to tell you some stuff. You're going to work out from the survey like what sort of things we're going to be offering and you might think, shit, this is a, this is a good idea. Sounds all I might right want to get involved in learning these things and then I can go and live in Barcelona rather than living at home. Barcelona. Sounds pretty good, right? So go to travelfreedompodcast.com slash community and fill out our two-minute survey and then we will sign you up for a 50% discount for when we actually launch this membership site, which should be coming later this year, we hope. Cool. That's it. That's it. We're done. We're done. I hope you enjoyed Barcelona. We did. We did. We always do. 
Thanks for listening to the Travel Freedom Podcast. Show notes and resources for this episode are waiting for you at travelfreedompodcast.com. Join us again every Monday to learn how to supercharge your online income and travel like a prince on a pauper's budget. We are waiting for your comments and feedback, so tweet us at MyTravelFreedom. Or email info at travelfreedompodcast.com. I'm Tomo. And I'm Maxie. Catch us again every Monday on the Travel Freedom Podcast. Bye for now. Bye. 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 Bye.